0: Welcome to episode 109 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. As usual, I'm your host, Jesse Burl, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And Riley, a lot is happening in Blue Jays land. We just went to Camden Yards against the Baltimore Orioles. And surprise, surprise, Riley, the Toronto Blue Jays did not play well against their AL East opponent. Tell me if you've heard that before this season.
1: I've heard it against teams i actually tried something different um for those on youtube who can actually see us um, i have gone with a different look i have shaved my beard i Mm -hmm. thought you know that's a good trendy look i thought people you know seem to be doing well without facial hair Baltimore players can't grow facial hair and they seem to be doing good so I thought let's switch things up a bit and let's um let's go with a different look it seems to be a look for success I don't know I also got my A's hat on not even gonna talk about that but for those of you who are watching baseball they've seemed to be doing some good things the past week and a bit yes they so are, yeah. um yeah no went for something different something's working for the Orioles man I I, I don't know um it's their years they're years above what they should be this is a series we should have should have probably won two games in it, and we, you know, we'll get into that. I mean, it's it's tough to lose against the division rivals, and it just keeps happening to us, man. It's all it's a tough break again.
0: Yes, today on their show, we're going to dive deep into that series against the Baltimore Orioles, including what was a stinker from Chris Bassett, followed up by an amazing performance from Jose Barrios and all the drama that came from Game Three in that series, including hitting performances from Matt Chapman, Danny Jansen, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and more. But first, guys, remember our show—we're free. We're available on all platforms, so like the video, subscribe to the channel, all that good stuff. Anywhere you could find your podcast, you can find Riley and I doing our little show here over at Buds and Blue Jays. So please make sure you tell a friend and all that good stuff. But Riley, without further ado, I think we got to just dive right into the game recaps here. In case you didn't get to see him at home, going into game one, the tone setter against Baltimore. The Blue Jays lose this game 11 to 6. The Blue Jays actually got out to a 1 0 lead early thanks to a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. RBI single. But ultimately, Chris Bassett just didn't have it. He's prone to these stinkers. He had one here. He ended up giving, I think, eight earned runs on 11 hits over his times there. The Uh, Orioles took an 11-2 lead at one point. The Blue Jays scored four late, but really this game was never close. In the losing effort, though, the Blue Jays did muster 15 hits, including three from Dalton Varsho and Alejandro Kirk. But when you give up 17 hits on the other side, it's usually going to point to a losing effort. In game two, the Blue Jays needed a good performance from their starting pitcher, and they got exactly that from Jose Barrios, who might have had his best start of the season, if not as a Toronto Blue Jay. He threw a no-hitter into the sixth inning, ultimately went seven and two-thirds innings with five strikeouts. Baltimore was able to get a run in the bottom of the ninth, but the Blue Jays scored three, one in the sixth, and two in the eighth, thanks to a George Springer RBI home run and some other runs there as well, as they were able to win this game three to one. And then the finale that happened earlier this afternoon, the Blue Jays lose this game four to two, and you know, it was a good back-and-forth battle. The Blue Jays had a 2-2 tie going until late and ultimately they gave up some runs there and were not able to hold on to the victory, and Baltimore's real good pen shut out the Toronto Blue Jays. Danny Jansen, though, did have two solo home runs to be the Blue Jays' main quote pulpit of the offense there so i don't have the standings up here riley but i believe we're 10 and a half back now in the division we're a game and a half back of the yankees with the yankees playing right now and i think the angels might have just passed us or at least they're close if they win tonight so riley the blue jays still have a long way to go we're still not at the halfway point of the season yet but we're definitely starting to get into the meat of the baseball schedule riley a lot of talks about talking points in this here. where do you want to go first
1: i mean it's pretty obvious to me man where we have to you know go for this one I mean if you were to ask me at the start of the year Jesse you, you look at a rotation you stack up the pitchers and you you match a name to like a possible this is going to happen to them this year and you say sent down to minor leagues and not even any specific team just sent down mm-hmm. and then carry a no hitter into the seventh inning in my head I would go okay let's match Manoa with a carrying a no hitter and let's say Brios gets sent down after last year well we're going to flip that on you guys actually yeah. huge plot twist for this year the pair Parody, parody in the season has been just unreal man uh jose brios brought it in this one almost goes eight innings i mean hey it's a close ball game you got to take him out i'm a i'm a fan of that like let's not let bad happen uh, i mean well let's quit while we're ahead basically five punch outs to go with it i mean is this this uh, like Jesse, you said it. I think this is his best start as a Toronto Blue Jay and an important one, too. I mean, he's did some great things with the Minnesota Twins early on in his career. And since then, I mean, you know, his first little half stint with Toronto with his three ERA was fantastic. And then, obviously, we're not going to talk about last year. But this year <laughs> really has picked it up, man. I mean, his numbers are fantastic. Over the last little bit, I mean, his numbers are absolutely stellar. I mean to call him our our number four pitcher at whatever point in the season. I mean, is he an ace? No, but has he been pitching like an ace? Absolutely, man. There are so many, like, just sprinkles of dominance for Jose Barrios, man. I know he has some pretty rocky innings, but I mean, he was super solid in this one, man. I mean, his pitches seem to be, he just, it's a comfort thing, man. I'm, as I always say, I'm not a real pitcher's guy, but I can tell when a pitcher's in a groove. I can tell when he's in the zone, man. And this was one of those. Games where he really exposed the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, the only time in the series they were really exposed um, as far as their offense goes. But Brios brought it, man, and we needed this start, especially what's been going on with our rotation right now. That was absolutely like, not expected. I did not expect that. I don't know if anybody did, but good for Jose Brios, man. I don't know if he's, how do you top that for him? I mean, he's just been on a roll. I mean, (laughs) just keep up the consistency. He's, I mean, absolutely fantastic. Has to be our first thumbs up, man, our only win of the series. And you carry a no hitter, um, through, you know, basically seven innings pitch. I mean, hell of a job for Jose Brios in this one, man.
0: I'm still waiting for the day two for a Toronto Blue Jays to throw a no-hitter. It's fact that Dave Steve is the only one the Blue Jays have in our team history. I am so surprised the Blue Jays haven't got one yet. And when we are watching Jose Barrios in this start early on, he's getting soft contact galore. Ground balls are going right at people. He's going... Easily through the like the, the minimum. I think he was at like 68 pitches at some point in like the sixth inning. You were really starting to feel like, okay, if anyone's going to do it, it could be Jose Brios in the start. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But if you look at his season numbers over the course of the season, Riley, his ground ball rate is up. It's the best he's had in his career. His strand rate is the best he's had in his career. You know, his um, average exit velocity is right in prior career norms. It's almost his best. It's not quite there. And he is allowing home runs at the, uh, the least amount. So the best for him in his whole career, Riley, like this might be saying we might be getting the best Jose Brios we've ever had Riley. And like, like not just in the Toronto blue jets, like even if you include his time in Minnesota and I'm starting to think Riley, if you had to redo the whole rotation one to five is Jose Brios your ace or does he's hiding that number two spot right now?
1: I mean, he's definitely, I mean, Hey, Hats off to Kevin Gosman. I mean, I'm about performance too, but I love a good resume. But let's let's put Manoa aside for now. It's in a different category. Mm-hmm. Until he comes back, I really don't want to talk about it too, too much. It's, <laughs> it's a hard topic to have, but out it of the is. guys right now, he's been pitching better than Chris Bass, that's for sure. So, I mean... If if this is all, I mean, hey, we paid a good price. I mean, Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson are going to be big leaguers and they're going to be impactful big leaders. So, this is a price we paid uh, through getting rid of young talent and taking on, you know, basically a pretty uh, big big cap hit with Jose Brio. So, we need this, this guy essentially um, to do exactly that. I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't expect it, but it's certainly good when it happens. We need that flare, that flicker of dominance that we get every third or fourth start from him and then be just solid for the remaining three starts or whatever because we can't have those blowups and we haven't. I mean, knock on wood, man, it's been very consistent for him. I mean, mm-hmm. I I again I don't want to jinx it because we've seen him be bad and it's like it could be eye popping the next time he takes the rubber and he gives up eight runs over three innings because Jesse Those things have happened in the past, and I believe in the repeat offender kind of thing when you you give up three home runs in an appearance. We've seen Barrios do that. We've seen him give up double-digit hits. So, I mean, let's just – let's ride this one out for right now. Let's feel good about Jose Barrios and what he's doing on the hill right now and hope that he recognizes how good he's been and carry that momentum moving forward for this club.
0: It's been 10 or 11 straight starts now for Jose Barrios with an ERA in the mid twos right now, if you exclude his first three starts of the season. And I do think, hey, he's probably going to finish with a higher ERA than this, but the Blue Jays will absolutely take what they've gotten from Jose Barrios so far this season. And I'm excited to see what he can do in his next start coming up. Riley, I want to turn my attention to a player on the offensive side of the field where I don't think you and I have really given enough credit, or I've talked a lot about what this player has done, but that's Whit Merrifield, Riley. And when we talked about when he came over at the trade deadline last year, we were like, Hey, Hey, this guy's good. He's a good, bad to ball skills guy, but we don't think he's special anymore. We thought maybe this guy could fill in on a bench. He can defend well, he can run, he can do all the little things you want to see a guy do on a baseball diamond. But Whit Merrifield has actually been, not only has he been impressive, he's actually been a key cog to what the Toronto Blue Jays are doing. He had a hit in game one, he had three hits in game two, including a double, and he had another double in the finale here. He was hitting fifth in the lineup right now. And honestly, Riley, you could make the argument that Whit Merrifield should be even higher than this in the batting order right now. And my favorite thing that Whit Merrifield did all series is after his three hit performance in game two, he was being interviewed by Hazel May and he just muttered some comments saying, Pitchers are dumb, man. And as a hitter in my own baseball league, like I can relate to this so much because I go up to the plate every single time and I go, this pitcher sucks. I'm going to tear apart this pitcher. This pitcher can't fool me. This pitcher can't do anything like that. And I feel like that's what Whit Merrifield is going out there with the type of confidence and the swagger that he has that he can go out and hit anyone. And yes, I'm sure we wish the power was better. And yes, I'm sure he we wish he was more of a complete ball player, but he uses his skills exactly the way you want the guy to use them. And I like, honestly, I've been nothing but impressed with what maryfield has done so far this
1: year uh witt's got an incredible skill set as far as i'm concerned um the bat on ball skills if they were a little bit better he is he is quite an ideal leadoff hitter in in my books i mean of course we literally have arguably the second best power leadoff hitter of all time if ricky henderson didn't get a million at bats in the big leagues uh, um like george springer has been a leadoff hitter in the entirety of his career And then that's just kind of been default. And then guys like Bo Bichette seem to just defaultly fall in the the second spot and so on and so forth. You get to your three, four, five guys. Those are your more power-based guys. So, I mean, by design, if Wet Merrifield played for, I don't know, the Rockies or the Pirates, would he be a leadoff hitter? Probably. Um, If he played for the A's, he'd be their leadoff hitter. Um, It just kind of goes with, um, you know, the team you play for and where you slot in. And Wet Merrifield – you know, it's, it was fantastic with the Kansas City Royals. It showed in his batting average and his incredible amount of steals. And he still had some pretty good gap power. Had some extra base hit. It's definitely not as plentiful now, and that mm-hmm. is you know seen. But in this series, I mean, he's he's collecting hits. He's getting on base. Um, in the middle of that, in the middle of that order, but if you, whether he's five, six, seven, eight, yeah, I mean, he's been all around the batting order, basically not one through four, but everywhere else this season. So, I mean, he's an ideal guy to have uh, for us when he's getting on base, because I, I mean, if he's hitting, if he's hitting eight, he's probably the one of the best eight hitters playing baseball that day. And I mean, he's a guy you can easily turn that order and get right back to the top of the chart, man. So the fact that he put together so many hits this series and we still lost, I mean, that's totally not on wit. This not that's unhappy. why we giving him yeah, a right. thumbs up. I mean, that's why he's getting a thumbs up, man. When mm-hmm. we take we take a couple losing efforts, and he's still getting on base like he did. I mean, he's doing He did his job in this series, and that's good because yes, we don't talk about this guy a lot, being overshadowed, but a very savvy veteran and a, clearly a key guy, man, to the, to this Blue Jays roster. A
0: 116 WRC plus, which would be second best in his career behind only his 2018 season where he hit 12 home runs and stole 45 bases for Whit Merrifield. We're going to talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. a little bit later in this episode, Riley. But I thought if you were to redesign the batting order, is Whit Merrifield your leadoff hitter if you had it all the way the way you should be?
1: Oh, well, it's I mean, hey, I'm like a am tra- a traditional guy. So honestly, like it depends on the day. Sometimes sure. I like sure. I like my I like my two and my seven guys to kind of split. My leadoff hitter is always my leadoff hitter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not saying who it is, but I like maybe a righty, lefty thing. My two hitter, probably not a big power guy. You know, three, four, five, and maybe six always stay the same. Probably a right field, third base, first base, kind of in that order, your power positions. And then with Probably could hit two spot for me. I like yeah. a double. I like a, I like double speed at the top of the chart. I like maybe a lefty righty with the Blue Jays. It's probably going to be two righties at the top. Where we kid, it's going to be Springer or Bow. Um, again, depending on who's who's pitching and everything like that. But yeah. For me, again, it goes back with who do you have to choose from in the batting order. Um, Wet Merrifield, if he played on a weaker team, is arguably a leadoff hitter in most cases. But the fact that we have so many guys that can hit in the top of that order and have for so long, I mean, he's the odd man out there. For me, um, I would probably – I'd put him in in the two spot a couple times, man, just to experiment, just to experiment and see what he can do.
0: Because the Blue Jays as a whole, their offense really isn't clicking. Like We scored two runs in the finale here. We scored six in game one, but four of them came in the eighth and ninth inning when we were already getting blown out. Game two, we won that game. We only scored three runs. The Blue Jays, as an offense, really have been down the past two or three weeks or so. And one of the main culprits is Vladdy and Matt Chapman. We'll get to those a little later, but... I really do think you need to do something if you're John Schneider to try to spark this offense. And I think maybe moving Whit Merrifield into the two hole or into the leadoff hole, for goodness sake, might be something the Blue Jays can do to get that going. But Riley, I don't want to spend any more time on that. I want to move over to another player who actually had a good series in this series. And that was Danny Jansen. Riley, we've seen the Danny Jansen story before, and I find it very interesting. I don't know if Guillermo Martinez, our hitting coach, is doing this on purpose, but the Blue Jays. Bo Bichette especially and Matt Chapman early in the season have really got success when they were driving the ball to the opposite field, right? We saw Matt Chapman was peppering that right center field wall. Bo Bichette has been doing this all year. Danny Jansen is still the one guy on the Blue Jays who is hitting the ball to the side and in the air. Things we've wanted to see for a long time. We've known this is what Danny Jansen does. And I'm curious if that is something that Guillermo Martinez is trying to teach the team to do that or just have Danny Jansen do his own thing and try to teach the team the rest of the opposite field approach. I don't really know what's going on there, but I like to see it. I like to see fly balls hit to the pole side because that's how you're going to get your most out of your power. And Danny Jansen, let's be real, not the biggest guy out there, but when he hits home runs, they go, man, there are some of the most sweet ones to see. And he's got a ton of no doubters. And it's always good to see here for Danny Jansen. So do you have a thought on him and how he's doing this series?
1: Yeah, well, you're certainly asking the right guy about spray charts here. Me, uh, a a guy who was a switch hitter, predominantly faced right-handers, obviously. Um, But I bet you hit 85% 85 to the pull side on each. And yeah, that is where all the power comes from. And Danny Jansen still and and will not play a full season this year again, tragically for the whatever time in his career, a guy who could hit who could could hit 30 home runs as a catcher um, with the, he has that potential man. He is probably one of the best pure power hitting catchers that can play Immaculate defense as well. Now not maybe immaculate, but very good above replacement level defense for sure. that's that's the minimal of what he can do. Um, but the power is there. He's blessed with some good power and I don't mind a guy who takes the ball to his pull side almost exclusively. Cause yeah, we got guys who could take the Kirk. Yeah, uh, we've seen, yeah. we've seen, we see Bo do it way more often than not, man. And I mean, Matt Chapman, yeah, he was hitting the ball. The alley he was stroking that ball out to right center field um, early in the season and get a lot of extra base hits there, man. I mean, you could, you could argue about Kiermaier on the left side of the plate. I mean, maybe he d- definitely doesn't have the pop. We've seen him yank a couple out. Varsho yeah, too. Six, I, think. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's doing well for him and Varso too. That's not a guy who's going to slap a lot of base hits the other way. You go with ideally, yeah. You'd love all fields type hitters one through nine. That just doesn't happen. If you have a catcher who's going to play some DH for you, who's can hit for power, and if that's that what he does? As long as he stays out of the double plays, because uh, that will kill us. Uh, but uh, we've seen Jansen hit the ball in the air a ton, man. So if he continues that trend. Very important part of this this team because we've seen how hot, how streaky he can go on. How long can he keep these power streaks up? Yet to be determined. I hope he get he gets used more uh, for the next couple weeks and see where we're at.
0: Yeah, I'm a Danny Jansen fan, man. I still want to see both Kirk and Danny Jansen in the lineup more often than not, especially while Brandon Belt is on the aisle. I know Biggio's heating up. We don't need to have Kevin Biggio in the lineup every day, but we'll get to that a little bit later on in the episode. Riley, from the positives to the negatives, there were a few to take on. I want to start with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. here, Riley. And Riley, we have to have this talk. We've talked about this before, especially with Isaac on the show, too, where we've said that... Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is our team's best player. He needs to be our best player, and Riley just simple as that. He hasn't been. Going back to his last homestand, Riley. Here are the game logs for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He did have two hits today, so and including one of them was hit quite hard. So I will give him that. But in the game before, he went one for four. Then he went zero oh for three, one for four, one for 0 oh for three, one for four. Two for five, so multi-hit game. One for three, oh for four. There's just not... Oh, and by the way, no home runs either in any of those things. And I think he's had one double to go along with that. Like, that is just not going to be acceptable for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. In fact, he moved down in the order now. So I think even John Schneider is starting to realize, like, hey, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. might not have it. And he has... You know that pulled fly ball thing I was just talking about with Danny Jansen with how you get your more power out of your bat? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hasn't pulled a fly ball in the air in over two weeks, Riley. It is a problem. Frankly, he just hasn't been good enough. And we really needed Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to turn into Albert Pujols, to turn into Miguel Cabrera. And frankly, he just hasn't done that. And I think until Vladimir Guerrero Jr. turns into that guy, we know he can be. This Blue Jays team is never going to reach its upside or be the team we think it can be.
1: I mean, let's be honest, Jesse. If you go one for four every day, with just, you know, maybe an extra base hit once a week. Those are numbers that'll keep you in the league, but that won't get you any hardware that's no. not really going to win your club a lot of ball games. I mean, hey, everyone loves a guy that can stick in the lineup <clears throat> that hits seventh or eighth in your order that can just. Be so steady, be the steady 250 guy that maybe puts up 10 home runs. That's not Vladimir Guerrero Jr. That's not even like, why am I even talking about this? We shouldn't even be discussing this. We should be talking about how we had three home runs this week. This isn't insane. It's been, I know it's been, it's been far too long. I can't figure it out. If Manoa was overthinking things on the bump, what's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. thinking in the box? Because I don't know how much of this is physical versus mental. I mean, he should be be coming unglued. I mean, he isn't even close to our – I mean, hey, he's a great player. His defense has been great. I mean, he's been getting on base. But, dude – we need him to hit for power. I mean, we are, have not. Our whole team is guilty of this. We could just give a big thumbs down to the power of this team. And yes, it's been in. It, yeah, been yeah. you know in in in. Look, I mean, kudos to Jano and whoever else with the extra base hits and everything. But as a whole, dude, our team is just not. Not hitting the long ball in these new park dimensions, it doesn't doesn't matter, man. I don't understand it. It's got to be more mind over matter. It's the same. It's the same thing. Like you know, maybe his mindset isn't in the right spot. If he maybe if he gets on a little bit of a streak, maybe if he puts one into the seats and then maybe one in the next game, then he starts rolling. I don't know, but until then, I, Jesse, I have no problem with him. Hitting fifth in the lineup, if that's gonna help win us ball games, I mean, I love to have a guy labeled as our three-hole hitter, but if he's not hitting like a a, a three or a four-hole hitter, then I don't want him in those big spots. I don't want him to yeah. get those ABs. Give it to someone who's who's driving in those runs because it's certainly not Vladimir Guerrero Jr. right now, and that's sucky to say. I mean, we go pretty easy on him. He's you know the heart and soul of this team or whatever you want to call it, but Jesse. He's a first baseman first basemen have a tough jobs in the, in the war department. They have a lot of to compete against other first basemen. Vladi just doesn't have it. He is average oh, at best no. right now for a category that he should be raking in. He should be sub- just uh, to have a ton of extra base hits. And he, he hardly has any doubles home runs. Doesn't matter. He just, can't crack the power right now. And I just do not understand it.
0: Like he's fourth on the team in home runs right now. Riley, Danny Jansen is, and he's missed time is now one home run behind Vladimir Guerrero jr. Riley. I'm just going to shoot off some names in major league baseball of guys who have more home runs than Vladimir Guerrero jr. This year. Brandon Drury, Riley, has more home runs than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. right now. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who had four home runs for the Toronto Blue Jays right now, has more home runs than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Ryan McMahon, who's never been a big hitter. Tyro Estrada in the Giants has more than him. Glaber Torres, you know, these, like, these are not known power hitters' names who all have more home runs than what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has right now, and, like, how do you fix this, right? Because you need to. I think we've understand that if this Blue Jays team is going to win games and is going to be into the playoffs and is going to win in the playoffs. Vladimir Guerrero jr. Needs to be what Jose Bautista was for this team. Right.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, Jesse, I mean, it's got to It's, it's on him. I mean, we've, we sacked our manager last year. We've, we, you know, you can only put so much blame on on the coaches. Like it's so much up to the players, dude. Like we can we can gripe about it and talk about it. the coaches can coach and give you this and that and, and tell you how to play the game. But if you're one of those nine guys on the field or one of those nine guys in the batting order, when you step up to the plate or feel the ball or 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 pitch or whatever you're doing in the game, whatever play we're focusing on. Everything else is out the window. That is on you. Yes, there are other factors that play into it, but 99% is you. And I mean, more of it's mental, mental than physical, man. Vladdy's got to go up there with a much cleaner approach at the plate, whether he's he trying way he too does. hard. I thought I thought that he slowed down his swing a little bit. He was swinging way too heavy there for a bit, which I'm okay with. But he's got to – I mean, he's got to fix it. I know that he's got like more of like a, his, his father's finish on a hit where he brings that bat he's got a real high finish I I mean he just he can drive the ball when he barrels it up but when he doesn't barrel it up Jesse it's not it's not going it's not going places man and I feel like pitchers aren't fearing him the same yeah. and he might have the mindset they are that he he probably in his head I mean I'm not saying he's got an ego but he's definitely got you know, an, an essence about him that is, you know, that you know, people are looking at him like he's a top five major league player. Whoa, whoa, slow down. Because right now you're not playing like one. And pitchers are realizing this and they're attacking you a little bit more. You gotta be on those pitches a little bit better. I mean, he hey, we see what he can do. He's just got to make some fine adjustments to his game. He should be fine, but it's been taking way too dang long mm-hmm. for him mm-hmm. to figure it out. We're already, we're already, you know, a third of the way through June. There is some very very much Important baseball to play. There's time to figure it out, but let's figure it out now.
0: Another Toronto Blue Jay Riley who really needs to figure this out is your guy, Matt Chapman. And he, I will say, Riley, as much as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. looks lost at the plate, Matt Chapman looks really lost at the plate. I think his swing has gotten a little long. You know, he's not barreling it up. He is the pitches he does decide to swing at. He's fouling straight back. Like the guy we saw in the first few months of the season, or the first month of the season, the guy who was player of the month. uh He just doesn't look like he's that guy, Riley. And honestly, I blame us for this because when Matt Chapman won Player of the Month, we forgot to mention it on our show, which how could we be a Blue Jays podcast and not mention it? So maybe Matt Chapman heard of that and just got upset that we didn't mention that he was Player of the Month, and maybe that's why he's slumping. But in all seriousness, Riley, over the last month, he's hitting just over 200, an OPS under 600. Like, is it time to move Matt Chapman down in the order? Like, he was hitting six today, so I think maybe that is starting to happen. And he even had some ground balls. Like the sure-handed Matt Chapman had a couple fielding plays where balls went off his hands and he didn't do it. I think he had an overthrow. I don't know if it was this series or if it was in the last series too. Like, Matt Chapman just doesn't look like the same guy right now. So what are we going to do about this?
1: Hey, sometimes you hit these little slumps where nothing's going right for you. The defense, I'm sure we'll pop right back. But I've seen this as I'm a Matt Chapman guy. I've seen these kind of things happen with him where he gets into this, fouling it straight back uh, Mm. kind of sequence, which, hey, you know what? Those aren't bad things to see necessarily, but he's missing by a little bit. And this might be part of the unlucky factor, but it also comes down to his hand-eye coordination, maybe swinging too hard. I mean, hey – I would be I would be so locked in trying to swing for the fences if I want a player of the month or player of the day for for God's sakes you know if I was if I was hitting the ball well man I'd go up in my next plate appearance and expect the same thing I'd want to sure. take it for an extra base hit or whatever get on base somehow but that's not the match happen and I know right now with the defensive mistakes whatever that he that will work itself out I still very much expect some good defense for the rest of the year But even we saw we saw a guy who was walking and striking out at almost the same rate, which is not something he does. Now we're seeing that number go back to maybe not as bad as last year, but somewhere around a three to one, four to one ratio, maybe closer to a four to one ratio of strikeouts to walks, which, hey, you know what, when you swing like he does. That's that's expected. But the thing is, you got to produce power numbers if you're going to have that compensation, the low average for power. But he just hasn't been able to find real solid contact because he does have good natural power. He does have a fairly good swing. And just you said it, long swings. He's a guy, kind of like a guy like I liked, a third baseman, a guy like Scott Rowland, a, a guy like yeah. Mike Lowell, other good yeah, third yeah, basements yeah. with real short swings that could drive the ball hard, that had natural power. Third baseman, just uh, guys are different breeds, some of them. Matt Chapman in that same category as them, you know, not a hollow. By any means, um, but I mean, he has the same kind of same kind of swing—that short power swing—and he's just gotta figure it out. Maybe be a little more poised, be a little more relaxed, loosey goosey at the plate, loosey goosey, right? And, it says, eh? and find and find the and find the barrel once in a while, man, because he hasn't he hasn't tattooed a ball in some time, man, and it's a it's frustrating for me, man. I love to watch Matt Chapman produce at the plate when he's not, you know, when he's not labeling balls. Um, you know, went out for a month. It seems he hasn't made really I spec spectacular contact too uh too often so you'd like to see that come around jesse
0: you heard it here first matt chapman just be a little more loosey-goosey and it'll be all right Riley, one more performance. We got to talk about Chris Bassett here. He took the loss on Tuesday, allowing eight runs on 11 hits with a walk over his three innings against Baltimore. He did strike out five in the losing effort. And I think, I don't have a lot to say on this. I don't think either you or I think this is going to be a trend of things going forward. It's just, this is what's going to happen sometimes to a guy who is a soft tosser. If your location isn't perfect, you will get hit around. And that's my main takeaway from this Chris Bassett performance. I fully expect him to be better next time going out. Do you have a thought on what he did here?
1: I mean, he died. Hey, he got lit up by a team that um is full of young guys. Like, I didn't expect this. This is this one, this one caught you off guard to start the series, Jesse. When they scored double digits against you. And the team is, hey, the Orioles are good. I'm not gonna sit here and give too many compliments to Baltimore, but I thought I thought that they brought it in this series. Whether they deserve the win or not, I'm not even gonna get into that, but they lip ass it up. And, yeah, it's bound to happen. Jesse, I think, like, two or three episodes ago, we said that Bass is probably due, whether we were on the air or not. I knew one of us said, whether it was me you or Bassie at the time, that he's probably due for another blow-up soon. So that was probably yep. it, and it wasn't terrible. I mean, he he gave up a crap ton of hits to a team that was hitting the ball all game long. Other than that, like, what can you say? It's not gonna. It's not going to be a trendy thing for him. I'm sure he's going to bounce back from that because uh, because it's Chris Bassett, dude. That's exactly a Jesse, a soft tosser that's going to give up the odd stinker. And I'm, you know, it sucks that it was against Baltimore. It sucks that they're in a division. It sucks that they're, you know. <laughs> I mean, have a, they're all they're eighteen games above five hundred, Jesse? That's insane for the that Baltimore right yeah. now. So I mean, it sucks to lose that one, and it sucks that we got um you know, it sucks for Bass's line because he's done so. I think he's done fantastic this year. Hate it for his own personal stats. We're gonna we score six runs, we take the loss, whatever. It's not all on him though. He'll come back strong in his next start.
0: Fully agree with you. I am on board with everything you said in that sentence there, Riley. Just two more notes. Kevin Biggio, George Springer, both had home runs in this series. George Springer actually made a pretty nice catch against the wall in game two to prevent some more runs from scoring. And Kevin Biggio in game three, Riley, almost had a second home run, which went over the foul ball. Honestly, I thought it was gone. If you watch the StatCast 3D rendering of this home run, it looks like it was gone. It was off a 101 mile per hour fastball too. And now, called foul on the field. It went over the foul pole. You couldn't overturn it, but I think it's stupid, Riley. My main point here is that we need to get the technology. We have it. Get lasers that come up at the north of the foul poles or something that can prove if a ball went over or not the foul pole. Because at Rogers Center, these things go all the way to the roof if I'm not mistaken, or at least they go quite high up there. And so like if a guy hits, can hit a ball that far, your foul pole should go up that far. And as far as I'm concerned, Kevin Biggio should have had a game-tying home run in
1: this series. I don't know about the technology and and everything put in. Hey Jesse, it makes sense to me. It sucks to get that call back because we are at a we're at a state now in baseball where I mean you can't slip much by unless it's the umpire's discretion, which can be yeah. wrong sometimes. Yes. yes. I mean when we're getting to we're, when we're getting to mathematical, was it a home run? Because it's a challengeable play, and we've seen it happen before. We've seen it messed up. There was a game. I don't know. it Feels like it was probably six or seven years ago. I think it was Oakland. Playing uh, the Angels, and uh, they got one called back. I can't remember who it was. Some guy who's definitely not in the league anymore. Um, it, I hit a, a home run because it was off one of the rails, whatever. Got called back. So we've seen things like this happen when the yep. technology is still available. And, hey, it sucks because, A, it's us. We're a Jays podcast. We don't like when the Toronto Blue Jays lose. And number two, I, I want it for Biggio. Because, I mean, that would be another hit. That would be another talking point for us. We wouldn't be sitting here giving Biggio an honorable mention. We would be giving him a thumbs up.
0: That's true. It's so
1: true. C- kind of still a thumbs up. I don't. I mean, it doesn't count. kind of counts a little bit. But, I mean, maybe be a little bit later on the pitch next time. Drive it out to the gap for a double. I don't know. He seems to be doing things at the plate that have been working for him. He's another guy who's a versatile player. He, when he gets his abs. He's been hitting the ball well for us, so I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't let that shake him too bad. Get in the lineup next time you can, produce the same.
0: Do it again, hundred percent. Hey, his swing is good right now. We talked about it last episode. Just keep it up, Kevin Biggio. You're doing good things. Got some news and notes here, Riley. The Blue Jays are adjusting their bullpen day going forward. So it was usually after Yusei Kikuchi, the bullpen day would take Alec Manoa's spot in the rotation. But since Manoa's not here, they're actually moving it up. So Kevin Gosman is going to start the opening series against Texas with the bullpen day being pushed a day later. This will kind of make it so that the Blue Jays can minimize how many bullpen days they use to get to the end of the month here. Kevin Gosman will be forced now to pitch on four days rest. We've shown the numbers. We've said them before. He is better when he gets five days rest. So we'll see how he does in Texas After four days rest. but Riley, I also want to talk to just really quickly here about who is our fifth starter option going to be because the Blue Jays can probably make it through the rest of June using probably this bullpen day and maybe one other. But eventually, Riley, we are going to need a fifth starter. So our real only options because there's nobody in Buffalo is lighting it up. You either stretch out Trevor Richards. You stretch out Bowdoin Francis. Alec Manoa, in a perfect world, is ready to go, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think you think that he's ready to make that happen either. Or you're looking at Hunjin Ryu, who is a full one year now past his Tommy John surgery, but there haven't been a ton of reports of him ramping up, him getting into a rehab assignment yet. So, when the time comes, Riley, just one minute or less, what do you think the Blue Jays are going to do about this fifth starter position?
1: Man, I would really like to see an acquisition. Um, yes. I, I think they're... I'm not going to even drop any specific names, Jesse, because there's probably about eight I could name Game, but the American League Central has a lot of good young pitchers in it. Uh, the Royals, the Tigers, the t- the Twins, and um, like there, you could you could go find two or three guys on each team and, and replace them that way and give up a decent price, a prospect maybe in return for a team that's might be third in their division, but are probably rebuilders. I really want to find an arm somewhere else, Jesse. Listen, I mean, I don't want to give it up too much to chance. I mean Bowden Francis. He had an appearance in this, wasn't spectacular. Yeah, I, got I hit pretty still hard. don't, I still don't, like, I want to be good and I want to be good right now. So what's the best way to do that is to bring an impact piece in right away. We have not seen hardly any transactions done um, with us, you know, moving players to other teams, any trades, anything like that. So, I mean, it's not out of the question for me. I think it almost sensible at this point. Um, and, yes, maybe it's nonsensical because, yes, Hunjin Ryu is coming back. But I don't want to slap a Band-Aid on it and have it rip off before the injury healed, being – getting our pitchers back or what what's going on with Manoa, whatever. I want to – like let's just nip it at the butt right here and, and just solve this problem, bring in another arm. I don't know what the cost is going to be, who it is. But I want a sure thing right now because we might be fourth in the division, we're still one of the best teams in the American League, and we can make things a lot easy on ourselves if we just, you know, maybe not even a sure thing, but slip in someone who's going to be a good piece for us and just kind of eliminate some question marks, man, because I don't want to do this tomfoolery with moving guys up, sending guys down, having bullpen days that are going to waste bullpens arms, possibly mm-hmm. for a long series. Let's just let's just get a fifth starter i think that is the wise thing to do
0: right and don't wait for the trade deadline you need one now you can guarantee a guy is going to get starts in this rotation do it now like why wait i understand that prices may go down overpay if you have to this team is able to win now and we're not going to win now unless we get more assurance in our starting rotation so pick up the phone ross atkins get this done here just a few more news and notes here. Zach Pop through a live batting press session on Monday. Alec Manoa threw a simulated game this morning against young hitters in a controlled environment. About 75 pitchers or so. I haven't seen a report on how that went. I will search for it after the show. We'll talk about it next episode. And both Brandon Belt and Adam Simber are expected to be back in Texas. I think Adam Simber should be there right at the beginning. Brandon Belt might be a little later in the series, but he's only expected to spend the minimum 10 days on the I.L., Anthony Bass has officially cleared waivers. He has been released and is now officially a free agent. And Addison Barger, Riley, a guy we haven't brought up in a while, has started a rehab assignment down in Dunedin, and he hit two baseballs today, over 106 miles per hour in his first game back. He will report to Buffalo likely when he is done, but good to see Addison Barger back onto the field. Riley, any of those things catch your attention?
1: Honestly, for the first time, not really. It's nice okay. to see. It's, it's news, listen. right? We got we. Uh, i in my head. I'm uh, you know it's all jargon to me right now. I'm thinking of in my head right now how we're gonna win this series against against Texas Rangers with what we have right now. What are the existing pieces? Hey, what about Jake Degrom though? That's a that's a see you later situation there. So we might get a little bit lucky in the series. I don't know, man. I just hey, we, I'm hungry for wins, man. We need we need some wins in the win column now, like mm-hmm. yesterday. I'm not, Mm -hmm. there's no panic button in front of me, man. I'm not, there's no panic, but the desire to win right now, I mean, we should be putting up way better numbers than we are at the plate for power. I mean, we got, I want to see a mash. I want to see a five, four or five home run game right off the bat. Four home runs in game one is what I would love to see. Is it going to happen? Jesse, probably not, but I mean, I just want to see some power numbers. I, I want to, I want to see Varsho pop off. I want to see, hey, Springer with a leadoff home run would be great. What a way to start the series! Varsho with one, maybe Chapman and Vladdy to just to just to boost to boost their boost their uh, you know confidence a little bit and try and try and spark a spark a fire under a man. Get something going because we need to start rolling and we need to start rolling now.
0: Yeah, the Blue Jays almost need to break off one of these like 11, 12, 13 game winning streaks to show they're serious World Series contenders. Because honestly, they're not right now. And I'm not afraid to say that. So that is going to do it for our episode here today, Riley. I don't have anything else to add. Is there something you want to mention before we get out of here today?
1: Not, not really, man. It's Hey, um, again, not going to compliment the Orioles too much, but damn man, they're it's a, it's a scary division, dude. When you, when you really look at our division and what the Yankees are and, and the Rays on whatever level, um, they are, um, good job. You guys must've listened to us or something because, the internet is mad at us because I guess Yandy Diaz is doing some pretty good things. And we got Vladdy sitting on first base for the all-star starting role. And the internet is not happy to say the least. Holy moly. I don't <laughs> even know if I can read. I'd love to bring up the thread and read comments, but I do not use profanity on this network. Uh, they were just having a cut throat you know, having a lash out to our Blue Jays players. And it's like, whoa, it's not that bad. But keep up the voting, guys. Good stuff.
0: 100%. Send our Blue Jays to the All-Star game or give them a rest. Your choice. But either way, that'll do it for our episode here today, guys. Remember, like the video, subscribe to the channel. Our numbers are rapidly growing, and we want you to be a part of it as well. Stick with us all season long. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff. You can find our show. Until next time, guys, we'll see you the weekend after we play Texas. We'll see you again later this week.
1: Thanks, guys.